This morning, I'm going to ask you a question, and I just want you to begin to answer with your heart. The question is, can you dig it? When we talk about making Jesus famous, you'll understand the essence of this question before it's all over with today. But can you dig it? I want to talk to you today about begging for the body of Christ. And in Mark chapter 1, verse 28, we see what we're called to do, that immediately the fame of Jesus spread throughout all the region and around Galilee. The fame of Jesus started in His hometown and it spread out from His hometown. How do we make Jesus famous? In John chapter 3, verse 30, we see He must increase, but I must decrease. In order for me to make Jesus famous in my life, I have to submit to His will. I have to make more of Him and less of myself. I have to be willing to get out of my comfort zone, to go to places and people that I may not have gone to. I've got to be willing to step out on faith and let God fill it. I've got to be willing to prepare the way before I even know which way I'm supposed to go. I've got to be willing to pursue God's presence even though I don't know exactly where He's going. It's about making more of Him and less of myself. In today's culture, we live in a social media saturated society. Everything that we have more friends on Facebook than we have in real life. And what it's doing is it's almost damaging the interpersonal relationship that Jesus created us to have where we've got to be intentional about making sure that our relationships are not technologically bound. Are you with me? But in this social media age, we, think, we see things go from just things that we like to things that we share and the things that all the world gets to see. And we, if we like it, then we share it. And if enough people like it and share it, then that thing goes viral. Now, whether it's Snapchat or Instagram or YouTube or Twitter or Facebook, if we like it, then we share it and those things go viral. We've been so impressed with the, the social media of this church. And this is a true part of this is a fact. But when we put something on Facebook, man, you guys are so great at helping us share it. Instagram, Pastor Weston is getting that going with the student ministry. And I'm not really into all the Snapchat and I don't have Instagram. I'm not against any of it necessarily. I, I have a Twitter account. It's pretty much inactive. It just has my name on it. And I think I've made a post a couple of years ago. I share an account with my wife, but I still understand that Snapchat and, and Instagram and YouTube and, and Twitter and Facebook they have a place in our culture. And so Pastor Weston and Pastor John, who are a little bit more versed in these things than I am with all this social media, um, they're helping us kind of create our own app here at New Hope Fellowship. You'll be able to download it and share it with other people. Um, we're going to call it Insta Snap You Twit Face. That's what we're just going to bring them all together. That's not true. We're not developing an app. Um, and it, it, even if we were, that we would probably not use that as the name. But you understand the essence of what I'm trying to get to is that I, we, we share the things that we really care about. If you care, then you'll share. And, and we like the things that get our attention. And, and we can, as a church and as a people, forget the influence of the power of Jesus' name. We can, as a people, forget the stories of Scripture and take them as some storybook that we read to our children before bedtime, but it is the life-changing, God-breathed words that would change people for eternity. I love what 
Brother Blaine did this morning and just coming up and just telling you what Jesus did. He's going to come back next week at 9 a.m. and do that for the first service. <laughs> I'm just going to call him right there. I didn't ask him to do that. But thank you because he's, he's willing and he's able. But we've got to be willing to share. And this morning we're going to talk about a man named Joseph. But it's not the Joseph that we normally talk about. His name is Joseph and he's from Arimathea. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 27. We're going to start reading in verse 57. Remember, the question that we're asking today is, is can you dig it? And what we're talking about is being willing to beg for the body of Christ. I'm reading from the King James Version this morning. Verse 57. When the evening was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus's disciple. Verse 58. He went to Pilate. Remember that. Joseph of Arimathea went to Pilate. And the King James says, and begged the body of Jesus. And Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. Because he went and he begged, Pilate commanded and the body was delivered. Verse 59, and when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth. Verse 60, and laid it in his own tomb. He put the body of Jesus in his own tomb which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. Verse 61. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary sitting over against the sepulcher. Verse 62. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priest and Pharisees came together to Pilate. I want you to notice right here at the end of that passage, the first thing that I'm going to show in revelation of this passage of scripture today is that every time that Jesus sends a disciple to an authority to prepare the body of Christ, the devil sends a Pharisee to persecute it. Every time that you respond to the gospel, every time that you answer the call, that you receive the challenge, embrace the challenge, and begin to try to operate in the anointing that God prepared for you, God sent a disciple with a word that was for you, and you begin to act on that word. You begin to apply it to your life. You have the passion and the purpose, and you're excited about it. But every time that Jesus sends a disciple to prepare you for the call of God, the devil sends a Pharisee to persecute you. The devil sends a Pharisee to distract you and to discourage you. And the Pharisee could come in the form of a person, a place, or a thing. But you need to recognize that Pharisee and know that that thing's not from God. God would never distract you from his purposes. He would never discourage you. Now, he may allow some of things in your life in order to prune you to make you more than you would have ever been. But it is not Jesus who sent a disciple to persecute. But a disciple has been sent to prepare. A rich man named Joseph from Arimathea, he went to Pilate and he begged for the body of Christ. He begged for the body of Christ to place it in a tomb that he had prepared, that he had hewn out of stone. Now, I don't know if you've ever hewn anything out. I've never hewn anything out. In fact, until this morning, I've never even said that word or made reference to hewning. Um, I don't know exactly how you hewn, but I know that Joseph did it. And apparently it was into stone, so it couldn't have been very easy. 
What we know about Joseph of Arimathea is that he was from this small village called Arimathea, which was about 20 miles from Jerusalem. And he was a rich man. Joseph of Arimathea was a rich man, but the Bible says that he was a disciple of Jesus. So you are able to be rich and still love Jesus. You are able to have possessions and still have purpose. You're able to have talent and skills and influence, power, political or personal, and still love Jesus and have influence in the kingdom of God. He served in the Sanhedrin court. He had the name, he had the fame, he had the position, and yet he was involved in begging for the body of Christ. Now, last week I talked about a donkey and if God could use the son of a donkey to usher in his presence and the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday, then he can use us. Well, if Jesus can use a, a rich man to prepare a place for the body of Christ and he can use a donkey to usher in his presence, that covers every animal and every individual and everything in between. And if God can use all of those things, then he can use you and me. I said he can use you and me, not just me, because a church that is active and involved in ministry is not when the pastors and the staff has a vision, but they operate in. But when the people catch the call of God and begin to do the ministry of God in their selves, in their home and in the community around them, that is a church that looks like scripture. It's not a church. If you notice, Joseph of Arimathea didn't expect anybody else to hewn out that tomb. He didn't expect anybody else to go before Pilate and beg. He didn't even ask anybody else to do it. Now I get a delegation and equipping others and recruiting and raising and releasing others to do ministry. But sometimes we just need to look around and see whether we're actively involved in begging for the body of Christ, in preparing a place for the body of Christ to exist. See, Joseph of Arimathea used all of his wealth, all of his influence, all of his power to be used by God. God trusted him with all of those things, not so that he could be a fat cat and indulge himself in this life, but so that he could be used for the kingdom of God because his power and his influence, even his name, gave him the ability to go to people and places that other people may not. Listen, you're sitting there this morning, you're thinking, well, I don't, I'm not rich, I don't have power, I don't have a name. But I'm telling you that there is somebody in your life that only you can reach. There is somebody in your life that I will never be able to minister to. And if you don't take up the mantle that Jesus left for you to minister to that person, then they will not be ministered to, but because you do, they will. Joseph of Arimathea took it upon himself to prepare a place for the body of Christ. He begged for the opportunity, catch this, to be involved. He begged for the opportunity to be involved in the body of Christ. Now here we're talking about the literal body of Christ. Joseph of Arimathea saw the body of Christ hanging on a cross. And he was not willing to let it decay. He looked at the body of Christ and he said, I've got to do something about it. But Paul in Corinthians spoke of the body of Christ as being those who came to Christ in faith and believing. That the body of Christ was more than just the physical body that hung on a tree, but the body of Christ was those who became part of being actively involved as a disciple of Jesus Christ. That was the body of Christ as defined by Paul. Joseph of Arimathea was willing to beg for it. Joseph used his wealth and his power, his prestige and his name 
in order to prepare a place, in order to dig out a tomb, in order to beg for the body. And listen, if he could use everything that God gave him, then the question this morning is, can we do the same? Can we dig it? Can we beg? Can we have the influence? Can we take the time to put our hands to the plow? Are we willing to beg and create a place for the body of Christ in this city? I want Jesus to have his dwelling in this community. I don't want it to just be something that he showed up for, but I want it to be something that he stayed in for. I want Jesus to come and to dwell in this place. I don't want to just create a seat for his presence in a moment. I want to create a place for his presence to dwell. I want him to take advantage of every opportunity because I have a heart and a desire to see Jesus move in Eunice, Louisiana, like nobody's ever had a heart or a desire before. Maybe they do, but today is the day that the church would come alive and begin to beg for the body of Christ as Joseph of Arimathea would beg for the body of Christ. Today is the day that the people would come together, subject their possessions for God's purpose so that God can use everything that he's given them, time, talent, and treasure to make a difference in the kingdom. The day is now for the body of Christ to come alive and for the people to begin to beg on behalf. The body of Christ is too precious to let it hang on the cross and decay. It's too precious not to be actively involved. It's too precious to sit around and hope that somebody else will do it. It's too precious not to take unction in my heart and apply that unction to my home and let my home have an impact in the house of God that would have an impact in the community that God has placed the house in. But if it doesn't start in my house, in my heart, then it'll never come to my house. And if it's not in my house, then it'll never be in his house. And if it's not in his house, then no wonder the church is not having the impact that it could have because the people are not begging for the body of Christ. I have a craving. It is an obsession to be used in the kingdom of God. God literally gave me a vision for this place. Joseph of Arimathea's purpose was to be involved in taking the body of Christ from a position of death to a position of resurrection. And if he had not begged Pilate for the body, then the body would have never been positioned for resurrection. It would have stayed on the cross and been consumed by the vultures. But because one man was willing to take the unction and take the abilities that he had in his life, to come get the body of Jesus Christ off the cross, away from death, and prepare it for resurrection. The body was resurrected. I'm telling you this morning that we have the opportunity to do the same, to make Jesus famous in our heart, in our home, in his house, and in the community that he has placed the house in. The blessings of Joseph of Arimathea were not for him. They were for the body of Christ. To create a place for the body of Christ, we've got to be willing to do two things. Number one, we have to have compassion for the body of Christ. We've got to be able to look at the body of Christ in all of its mess, torn up, broken, and fleshed out, and see God still has a purpose for that messed up body. That we would literally be a place of imperfect people with a perfect God. That we would be a house full of hypocrites and still be willing to work out our salvation daily in fear and trembling. 
That we would subject and submit ourselves to the will and the call of Christ in our lives and understand that we're not perfect and admit it to other people. We've got to be willing to acknowledge the fact that the body of Christ is messed up. The body of Christ has not been crucified the way that it should be crucified. And I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to change not caring into compassion. I'm going to change apathy into an angst for doing something. I'm going to let the anxiety that could be hanging on my heart cause that to turn that into execution for the kingdom of God and the purposes of God. I've got to have compassion for the body of Christ. If you'll notice, Jerusalem became known as the city of God. That's what we look at Jerusalem today in the last days, and we see the city of God. But before Jerusalem was ever the city of God, Jerusalem was the city of David. So before it can ever be given to God, it's got to be possessed by a man. It's got to be possessed by a man that would be willing to stand in the gap on behalf of the body of Christ and say, my city is not currently the city of God, but I've been put in this city and God dwells within me. So because I'm here, this city has got to have a purpose because God's given me a vision because I'm here. I'm going to take ownership of this city and it might not look like what it's supposed to look like right now, but I'm going to begin to prepare a place for the body of Christ, not to just show up, but to dwell. And eventually I'll understand that Eunice in the surrounding area is going to look like the city of God right now. It's just the city of Chris, but it's going to become the city of Christ because I have compassion on the people that are not currently a part of the body of Christ. And I have a compassion for the people who are trying to be before it can ever become the city of God. There's got to be a man that would be willing to take the responsibility to turn the page in the relationship with Jesus, not just see the body as messed up and an issue and a problem, but see the body as an opportunity for healing and resurrection. I know it looks broken right now and it's hurting right now, but God has a tomb prepared and the resurrection is coming. Number two, Joseph of Arimathea had to cover the body of Christ with a clean linen. And this is the hard one. This isn't shouting preaching. Because this one steps on our toes because we're standing where we shouldn't be. But in order to have confidence in Christ, the body of Christ needs to once again cleanse its hands. We need to put on the robe of righteousness once again. Now, as a church, we're really good at pointing fingers at the world and telling everybody what you're doing wrong. But what we need to do is let the three that are pointing back at our heart cause an examination within us. Let the body of Christ be robed in righteousness and cleansed. Let the body of Christ be purified in the name of Jesus. Let the body of Christ be moved with compassion and desire to be covered in the robe of righteousness. We need clean hands in order to have confidence. And I know that we have this hope as an anchor. 
But I'm really kind of tired of everybody just leaning on hope when God's giving them hands. I want to do more than just hope for the best. I understand that my hands have been anointed to make a difference in this lifetime. I want to do more than just hope that God shows up and shows off. I'm going to get in this place and begin to beg for the body of Christ. I'm going to put my hands to the plow. And when Elijah come around the corner and see me working and tilling the ground, he's going to be able to call me me and let us operate in that double portion of the anointing that somebody else is going to need because up to this point, they've not been ministered to. I don't want to just hope that good things happen. I'm going to take the purified hands of the blood of Jesus has cleansed me with, and I'm going to make an effort to put them to something. I'm going to connect to this church, discover my purpose, and find out where I can serve. I'm going to protect my bride. I'm going to protect my babies. I'm going to take the hands that God has given me and the hands that God has cleansed. And I'm telling you, listen, these hands right here have only been cleansed because of the blood of Jesus. That's what the blood of Jesus is. It is the place that redemption is found. And because Jesus shed his blood, my hands are anointed and ready. And so are yours. Do you know that at the end of the day, I'm just a 30-year-old trying to make it? I grew this beard so I wouldn't look like such a kid. True story. My wife won't let me shave it off because she doesn't want me to look like a teenager again. Like, I'm the only one in the house supposed to look like a teenager. You're supposed to look like an old man. It's pretty on you. It's like, okay, whatever you say. If you like it, I love it. But before that, I just happened to be in the platform because I was, I was available to the call of God. And at the end of the day, I'm just like you. I'm just a person that decided that my way's not working and there's got to be a better way. I'm just a person that decided that the path that I was going down wasn't leading to the hope that I thought it would to the success that I had imagined. So I think I'm going to follow Jesus and let him show me his way so that I can operate in the things that he operated in and achieve the things that he achieved. And the only way that I'm able to operate in the power of God is if I have the purity of Christ on my life. Because you can't be confident in who you are in Christ and abide in sin. You can't be actively involved in sin and confidently abiding in Christ. Those things do not work together. So sometimes you have got to recognize that you're in sin. You don't want to be. You're not in Christ and you do want to be. And the beautiful exchange is the swapping of the place, not that he's in, but the place that you're in. To be willing to confess, to take ownership to let Jesus purify you. Why? Because purity produces power. And when you operate in power, you will begin to see other people praise Jesus like the church should have been all along the way. When you begin to operate in purity and therefore operate in the power of God, you will begin to see the body of Christ desire the same clothing of righteousness that you're wearing. Listen, if one man could move the body of Christ from death to resurrection ready, then why can't we? 
If Joseph of Arimathea took responsibility and said, it is my job to make sure that the body of Christ is prepared, not for the grave, but for the resurrection. I'm telling you, our time is running short. It is our job to achieve the Great Commission. This old world is not getting any younger, but thank God it is not my home. As it was in the days of Noah, so it shall be when the coming of the Son of Man is let go and released on society. It is not an accident that our morality has been lowered and our immorality has been heightened. It's because we are dwelling in the last days. But praise be to God that in the last days, there will still be an anointing on the body of Christ to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference, not only in the house, but in the community in which the house has been placed. I wonder if there's still anybody alive enough and active enough in the body of Christ to prepare a place for somebody else to come and be involved. Is there somebody in here that would still take the responsibility and the ownership to say, I know there may not currently be a place prepared, but I'm willing to step out in faith and let God fill my faith. I'm going to put my hands to the plow and sometimes I'm going to feel like I'm planting the same stinking seed over and over and over again. But I understand that God sent me to plant and me to water but one day there will be a harvest in these chairs for not one Sunday but two. Oh, we filled this place. There's been 400 people. I don't want 400 people. There's 10,000 people in this community that need to be reached with the gospel and ministered to by the body of Christ. 400 is not enough. 1,000 is barely even a tenth. We still have work to do. Our hands are anointed and prepared. We need to beg for the body and dig out a tomb so that Jesus has a place to come back to and a people that are awaiting his coming. That is what Easter is about. It's about the difference between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. We're still in it. Jesus left his presence here on earth. We are in the in-between of Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Because there is going to be a second coming where the bride of Christ is resurrected by his presence once again. And we have a call and an unction and anointing and a passion to see as many people be resurrected in his name as possible. I'm closing with this, Pastor John, if you'll come. In John chapter 3, we see a man named Nicodemus. And the Bible says that Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. And he asked, how must a man be saved? And Jesus said, only if a man be born again, shall he be saved. And Nicodemus said, how in the world? I mean, Nicodemus wasn't ignorant. I mean, he understood that a grown man going back into the womb of the mother, that would be more awkward than anointed. I don't know. And so he just got that there's no way physically that that can take place. So how in the world could a man be born again? And then Jesus said this, listen, this is for somebody. Jesus said, we're born once of blood and water. 
from our mother. But watch this. We're born again by the spirit of our father. And Nicodemus came by night. And I don't really know why he came by night. Why didn't he come in the middle of the day? Because Nicodemus was a man of influence. He was on the Sanhedrin court. And he didn't know exactly how the story was going to end. See, he didn't have the gospels written to tell him. So he was only willing to go by night just in case. Now, this is just theoretical at best. Maybe he's a better man than I'm giving him credit for. He can correct me when I get there. But just in case this man Jesus doesn't work out to be all that he's claiming that he is. I want to go by night. Jesus gives him the essence of the gospel. He gives them the way to be saved, which is to be born again, not of blood and water from his mother, but of the spirit from his father. We see Nicodemus again in John chapter 19. In fact, we see Nicodemus with Joseph of Arimathea. The Bible says that Nicodemus came again. We know that he came at night before and we know that Jesus was crucified in the afternoon and they were doing these preparations at night again. So at this point, I'm just going to call him Nick at night. All the 30 to 50 year olds were like, I got that. Everybody else was like, what's that? <laughs> Nicodemus came at night and the Bible says that he came with spices to prepare the body for burial. So Nicodemus in this passage is essentially the embalmer. He came to embalm the body to prepare the body for burial. But see, what's interesting is that in Mark chapter 16, as he's done so many times before when the man doesn't have the vision and the intuition that he needed. In verse 1 of Mark chapter 16, the Bible says, but two women came. That was for you, ladies. <laughs> because when a man won't step up, a woman will be raised up. And if you're in this room today and you're still praying for that husband, for that son, for that father, for that grandfather, if you feel like you're the only one, I'm telling you there's a spirit alive today that sees you coming. And you're not coming at night. You're coming in the morning because you want to be the light of God and you don't care what anybody else thinks. I don't want to be Nicodemus coming at night to prepare the body for burial. I would rather be the women coming in the morning in the light of God with the spices to anoint the body for resurrection in front of everybody now but in a church there's always either the Nicodemus that's trying to prepare the body for burial and you can hear it in the style of preaching it's either inspiring to life or it's condemning to death I don't want to be the one that comes at night and condemns to death I want to be the one that comes in the morning that 
anoints in preparation, not for death, but for resurrection. See, I still believe, man, woman, or child, that you have the ability, the God-given right, to believe in him, to become his child, to be joint heirs with Jesus, to anoint the body of Christ here in these last days, to prepare them for the resurrection that is to come. The women came in the morning, and they didn't hope that something would happen. They had their hands ready, and they knew that it wouldn't be by their might or by their power, but by the Spirit of the living God that they had been born in once again. Even though Jesus is dead, I remember a word. Even though my dream is gone, somebody gave me a word. Even though the promise hasn't quite been fulfilled, I know that the end is already written, and I'm going to be a part of the story that is being written in the gospel, in the in-between, from Good Friday to Resurrection Sunday. I want to be a part of the body of Christ. See, the body of Christ is just as attractive as it is anointing, anointed. The younger generation gets the style and gets the attraction. But the older generation understands the anointing and the substance. But what Jesus wants to do here in these last days, specifically in this house, is he wants the older generation to recognize the style of the younger generation and the younger generation not to resent the substance of the older generation. But he wants to take the old and the new and he wants to get a spirit-filled mesh of people being stirred together and encouraged in the last days. I'm telling you, it's not a black thing. It's not a white thing. It's not a Jewish thing. It's not a Gentile thing. It's not a man thing. It's not a woman thing. It's the body of Christ thing. It's not an old thing. It's not a young thing. It's not a new thing. It's not a nice thing. It's not an anointed thing. It's not an attractive thing. It's not anything that we've ever seen before. Because I'm telling you that here in the last days, God wants the body of Christ to be prepared for resurrection just as his son was. But he needs a Joseph of Arimathea that would be willing to hewn out a tomb. He needs a Mary that would be willing to anoint for resurrection. Can you dig it? He needs a people that would once again be willing to today the question this morning is applied to three groups of people the first group of people are those who are sitting in this room right now and they're wondering am I or am I not a part of the body of Christ I don't really know I want to know. I don't want to be like Nicodemus at night. I want to be like those who would be willing to let their light shine before men 
morning or night. I want to be part of the body of Christ. And I don't really know. But right now, this morning, I want to make it right. I want to know that I know that I'm part of the body of Christ. If that's you, right where you are, would you just lift up your hand and say, hey, look, that's me. This doesn't save you. It's just you. It's just helping you admit and confess, yeah, that's me. I don't know and I want to know. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't know whether I've been born again or if I have been born again, then it was a long time ago and I haven't been living it out. And the Bible says that the only way that I can know that I know is if I keep his commandments. And this morning, I just want to make sure that I know on this Easter Sunday, the day that we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, I want to know that I've died to my sins and be resurrected to life. That's me. Pastor, I want you to include me in this prayer in just a few minutes. Would you just raise your hand just right where you are? Thank you. This isn't your last chance because you can raise your hand at any point. The second group of people... Nobody's looking around. You're just evaluating. The second group of people, the group of people who, who know I'm a part of the body and who are actively involved in serving the body to serve the community. The community, but if you're... effect is going to be temporary. So there's many people in this room right now that you're confident because you're consistent and you're serving and you know and you're working your salvation out daily in fear and trembling and you've experienced the fullness of God that's the second group but then there's a third group and I want you to ask am I, which group am I in? the third and final group of people is the group that has at one point or another been part of the body of Christ they've been involved in the body but they're not currently doing anything to prepare the body for resurrection. Maybe it's their own body. Maybe it's the body of their home. Maybe it's the body of the church. Maybe it's the body of the community. But if you're sitting here this morning and you just willingly admit, I want to recommit to preparing the body for resurrection. Today, I want to recommit. I will prepare the body of Christ. I will be more than just a hearer of the word. I will be a doer. If that's you, would you just lift your hand right there where you are? That's me. That's me. I see you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. I see you. I want to be a part of preparing the body of Christ. If that's you, just lift your hand right where you are. You don't have to. Nobody's going to make you. I just want to give you ample opportunity. Just say, that's me. That's me. Let me give you one more chance today before we close. If you're not currently living for Jesus and you know that you need to be, you're not confident in Christ because you're not abiding in Him, you feel more bound by your sin then you are free in Christ. But today, you're not only willing to admit it, but you want to let Jesus do something about it. Nobody looking around because this is such a serious thing. Would you just admit, hey, that's me. 
I don't want to operate in sin any longer. I want to abide in Christ. That's me. That's me. Anybody else? That's me. I want to leave this place today free in Christ and from sin. That's me. Hey, would everybody just pray this prayer with every, every inkling of your heart? Church, body of Christ, pray this prayer with me. Jesus, forgive us where we fall short, where we get distracted, even where we're disobedient. Help us to be part of the body. Reveal yourself to us. Save us. Fill us with your spirit. Today we want to commit to preparing a place for the body to be resurrected. Let it start in me right now. In Jesus' name. Hey, if you believe in that prayer, would you just say amen this morning? See, we believe today I truly believe that the Bible made it easy enough to begin a journey. When the Bible says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, whether you raised your hand or whether you didn't raise your hand, if you prayed that prayer and you said it from your heart, then we believe that you've been born again. If you prayed that prayer, and you said it from your heart, then we want to believe with you as a disciple of Jesus, no matter the Pharisees' persecution. We want to believe with you right now today that you recommitted your life to Jesus Christ. And I shared this in the first service, and and this is kind of how we'll close today. But in John chapter 6, Jesus, speaking to a large crowd of people, after he had fed 5,000 men, Almost 20,000 women and children included. They were all following him in the wilderness. And I don't think that Jesus got sick of people following him. I just think that he wanted to know who was really there for the right reason. So he looked at all these people as I'm looking at all of you. And he said, okay, you're going to continue to follow me. I want you to drink of my blood and eat of my flesh. Here's what he was saying. I want you to be part of the body of Christ. And one of the saddest verses in scripture took place in that moment. The Bible says, listen, what will happen to many people the Sunday after Easter? The Bible says that many of them left and went home and only the disciples remained. I believe that Jesus is excited. He's as excited as we are that you showed up today. But even more than being excited about the fact that you showed up, I believe that Jesus is even more interested in whether you will stay. Because it's not starting something that's difficult. It's being willing to engage in the process of the in-between from death to life because only dead things can be resurrected would you give your life to Jesus 
Would you give him your all? Would you get involved? If, if you don't have a church home, we want this to be it. If you're just our guest for the day and you've got to go back home today, go back home and find a place that you can get plugged in. Go and find a place that would be actively involved in preparing the body of Christ for the resurrection that is to come. Listen, if you're here this morning, I'm going to pray over you. I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to seal everything that he's just done. This is just a little bit different. I'm going to pray a blessing over you. But as you're sitting there right now, if you prayed that prayer for the first time ever or the first time in a long time, if you would just take that Connect card that's in front of you and just fill that thing out, you don't even have to write all of your information. You can just write your name and I committed my life to Christ because we can stalk you on FaceTwit and find you. It's not a big deal, okay? We can figure that out. But it really helps us to know who we're praying for, who we're trying to connect with. Next Sunday, for our newcomers, we're going to have a dinner right here at 4 o'clock. This Sunday, if you came dressed in your Easter best, I forgot to say this at the beginning of service, but if you, like me, still have your tag in and you're going to have to take this stuff back tomorrow, okay, you need to get a picture in it today, okay? Before you leave here, go get a picture in your Easter best. Take a picture with your family. All you got to do is go back there and pose and ask somebody to take it. We don't have anybody taking the picture, but you can just do it on your cell phone. And I'm really not taking this back tomorrow. I just thought it'd be funny when I went to put it on. I was like, what is, oh yeah, oh, that's funny. Thank you, I'll share that. I may take it back. I'm going to buy something else. So take your picture before you leave today. Would you stand with us this morning? Hey, listen, would you just give a praise to all the people that have been here for the last four hours with us and just believe God with us that he's going to fill this place twice on a Sunday and we're going to have to split it again because so many people are actively involved in the body of Christ preparing the people for resurrection. If you would, just, just raise your hands out if you're comfortable with this. If you're not, don't worry about it. You can receive it anyways. I just want to bless you before we leave today. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. Lord, I pray that you would bless them and keep them and that your face would shine upon them and be gracious to them. I pray that you would lift up your countenance upon them and right now give them your peace. I pray that they would go from this place and not just be hearers of the word, but doers of the word, that they would be anointed to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. Let us work out our salvation daily in fear and trembling and let us be baptized in your Holy Spirit and empowered to be a witness, to know you and make you known, to prepare the body of Christ for the resurrection that is to come. I pray that you would seal everything that's happened in this room today by your Holy Spirit and let it be done in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Let's go eat something. Yeah.